Welcome to the Wanderers History Podcast and to a new episode of the mini-series looking at the history of some of the most important doges of 16th century Venetian history, part of the wider rulers and monarchs of the 16th century Mediterranean and Europe series. In the last episode, I talked about Doge Leonardo Loredan and his leadership during the War of the League of Cambrai, a pivotal moment in the history of Venice and the Italian peninsula. Today, I want to talk about Andrea Gritti, another crucial figure of 16th century Venetian history, the Fabius Maximus of Venice, as described by historian Robert Findlay. Before we continue, I would like to remind you to please hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss any new material from the podcast. Let us resume. Andrea Gritti was born in 1455 near Verona. His mother was the daughter of Paolo Zane, an influential Venetian family in economic and naval military affairs. His grandfather was a Venetian diplomat often sent on missions to England, Spain and France and acted as a mentor for Andrea who would study at the University of Padova. Later on, he would move to Constantinople and have several profitable enterprises and businesses in the Galata district. He became well acquainted with viziers, grand viziers, and even Sultan Bayezid II. In 1492, circumstances made that Gritti assumed the role, though not officially confirmed, of Venetian bylaw in Constantinople, arguably one of the most important diplomatic roles for any Venetian, Venetian official during the early modern period. The Second Ottoman-Venetian War started in 1499 and put Andrea Gritti in a fairly precarious position and would, along with other Venetian merchants, be imprisoned. In late 1502, early 1503, he was actively involved in the peace talks between the defeated Venetians and the Ottomans. In December of 1503, he returned to Venice and presented his report, case, all of the documents to the Venetian Senate, rapidly becoming an important military and diplomatic figure. His progression was quite rapid and he was appointed Proveditore Generale, uh, afterwards a member of the Council of Ten, and then he became a Procurator of St. Mark, one of the most powerful and prestigious positions of the Venetian Republic. As spoken about in the previous episode, the War of the League of Cambrai initially could have proven to be the end of the Venetian Republic, especially after the Battle of Agnadello, had diplomacy tactics and shifting alliances not worked in Venice's favor. At the calamitous defeat at Agnadello, uh, Condottiero Bartolomeo d'Alviano ended up captured by French forces. Gritti managed to escape to Brescia. Eventually, Andrea Gritti was part of the diplomatic team negotiating with uh, the French, which resulted in the eventual victory of the Franco-Venetian alliance and restoration of most of Venice's terraferma, that being the Venetian-Italian mainland. So thus far, Andrea Gritti gained substantial knowledge of Ottoman-Venetian relations. The, he knew about the economic importance of peace for the Venetians, but also he knew about the inner workings of the Venetian-European diplomacy and overall republicanism. The, the experience gained through the War of the League of Cambrai equipped him for the role he would eventually assume as Doge of Venice and for the challenges facing the Venetian Republic in the 1520s and the 1530s. The early 1520s were quite important in terms of changes in leadership, especially in Rome and in Venice. After the death of Doge Grimani, Antonio Tron seemed to be the main candidate for the Dogeship of the Republic, given his wealth, influence over the Council of Ten, and close relationship to the previous Doge. Meanwhile, the death of Pope Leo the 
10th had brought much rejoice in the Italian peninsula and was reflected in many celebrations held in Venice. There are the lyrics of uh, Sanazaro, a Neapolitan poet, uh, who showed quite the reluctant attitude the Venetians had, uh, one might say adversarial. And there's a, f a famous few quotes, lyrics that said, quote, Thou didst creep into our midst like a fox, thou didst live amongst us like a lion, and thou hast died like a dog. End of quote. This is in direct reference to Pope Leo X, the Medici Pope. The Venetians were hoping to take advantage of this opportunity and tried to propose Domenico Grimani as a possible choice for the papacy. This would have had great influence over the larger geopolitical situation of the time uh, by forming a committed and solid alliance between the Venetian Republic and the papacy, uh, most likely formed against the emperor. However, the surprising election of Adrian VI prevented that and seemed problematic from a Venetian point of view, mainly because of his very close relationship. He tutored Charles V. This meant that not only would the papacy renew their alliance with the emperor, but it would also be quite committed to it. However, the new pope was a foreigner, non-Italian, and did not seem to have much interest in Italian politics, but rather in uh, reforming the church after Leo X's pontificate. The beginning of Adrian's reign seemed to be riddled with problems not only in Italy but also in the eastern Mediterranean, where Suleiman the Magnificent was commencing his campaign into Europe. Rhodes was on the brink of a siege in August 1522 by a colossal Ottoman army and navy. This, of course, alarmed the Venetian Republic, who had decided to recall Andrea Gritti to organize the fleet and the army and defend their positions in the proximity of Rhodes. Such were Crete or Candia and Cyprus. These Venetian preparations were mistaken by most Italian princes as... Venice getting ready for war in the Italian peninsula, whereas efforts were put into defense in case of an Ottoman attack in the Mediterranean. Pope Adrian VI seemed to adopt a more non-aggressive and neutral stance towards the Venetians and their representatives, who were included in talks held by the papacy to find a solution in aiding the Knights of St. John in Rhodes. There were quite a few plans of action, and the main one was for the Venetian fleet to assist with transportation of French troops to Rhodes with papal and support from Florence as well. In the end, no plan came to fruition, and the papacy, along with the other princes, failed to deliver help to what was considered an important uh, bastion of Christianity. The Venetian Senate seemed to approve of Adrian's policies and aimed to improve papal-Venetian relations, badly deteriorated in the previous two decades. This was reflected by the Venetian decision to join a new confederation with the Pope and Emperor against France shortly after Rhodes was captured by the Ottomans. However, the political landscape would drastically change once more as the Pope Adrian died in September 1523, which resulted in the election of another Medici Pope, namely Clement VII. Consequently, the Venetians had to be prudent because Clement could not be regarded as a reliable ally. The same argument can be made with Charles, whose conflict with Clement would prove to have a dramatic impact, not just on Rome, but also the Italian peninsula. 1523 demonstrated to be such an important year.
1523, after the death of Doge Grimani, Antonio Trom seemed to me the main candidate for the dogeship of the Republic, given his wealth, influence over the Council of Ten, and close relationship with the previous Doge. Andrea Gritti emerged victorious from the elections due to his vast military experience and took a radically different policy from the previous doges, as a Venetian historian Robert Finley called him the Fabius Maximus of Venice. As a result, alliances had to be reconsidered, despite Gritti's pro-French attitudes, and the new doge proved to mastermind alliances and treaties which prevented another Agnadello scenario from happening. The Treaty of Worms in 1523 with the Emperor relevantly illustrated his policy because due to the non-arrival of French troops in Milan, Gritti realized that Venice had to be in good terms with the Emperor. This treaty also implied a Venetian payment of 200,000 ducats and providing 25 galleys for the defense of Naples. And in return, the Venetian Republic would keep its possessions in the terra firma. The key aspect of this treaty, however, would prove to be the choice of guarantors as the Signoria had appointed Henry VIII, Ludovico Sforza, and the Pope. This reflected the Venetian desire to reinstate the Sforzas into Milan and have the papacy as an ally. Basically, Venice, under Andrea Gritti, aimed to maintain a ba balance of power in Italy and limit the influence of the emperor as much as possible. Gritti tried to simultaneously maintain an alliance with the French, and the Doge justified to the King of France that Venice meant no disrespect and no aggression towards France, but had no choice but to reach an agreement with the emperor in order to prevent another eventual invasion by imperial forces. The result of the 1525 Battle of Pavia uh, could be seen from two lenses, perspectives. From Pope Clement's point of view, it was a disaster because he had relied on Francis to expel Charles from Italy in return for recognition of Naples towards the French. From a Venetian perspective, this was another step in Gritti's neutral and combat-avoiding tactic as no Venetian troops were present at Pavia. Francesco Guicciardini had blamed the Pope of avarice and pusillanimity for failing to deliver support to Francis. Indeed, he still supported the French king through his intervention in the Peace of Madrid from 1526, where uh, Clement VII was made guarantor. And the genesis of the League of Cognac once again uh, reunited Venetian and papal interests. This was a complicated situation because Pope Clement VII resented the Venetians but knew that he would need their help against the Emperor. The Doge and Council of Ten realized that imperial power in Italy was gradually becoming more and more present and powerful, especially after the 1526 Treaty of Madrid, and as a result, joined the League with the French and the Papacy. Venice had supported most of the costs of the Cognac League with no results, leading for the Republic to once more reconsider its options. Venetian non-intervention in the sack of Rome in 1527 was seen as a crucial and critical moment, which in a way confirmed Habsburg triumph over Italy. 
there were sev several factors that should be taken into account for explaining uh, the lack of response for the Venetians in this incident. First of all, Andrea Gritti wanted to avoid another disastrous defeat, which given the size of Charles's forces, a large Spanish imperial army, was a possibility. Second of all, the Army of the Holy League was under the command of Francesco della Rovere, uh, captain general of the Venetian army, uh, who was expelled from Urbino by Pope Leo X, and as a result, had reasons of personal nature to not help the papacy, who was under another rule of a Medici. Della Rovere defended himself by arguing that he had obeyed orders from the Signoria, and it was not his decision whether or not to offer assistance. Gritti's Fabian policy had maintained the integrity uh, the territorial integrity, that is, of the Venetian Republic, at the cost of the devastation of Rome and the subsequent imprisonment of Pope Clement VII. However, after the liberation of Pope Clement VII, the situation became increasingly problematic for the Venetian Republic and Andrea Gritti because of a new papal imperial alliance confirmed through the 1529 Treaty of Barcelona. This was a defensive pact which would have given imperial troops safe passage towards Naples with the papacy demanding the restoration of Cervia, Ravenna and Modena to the Holy See as recompense for this peace and as compensation for the events from 1527. Andrea Gritti and the Senate tried to gain French supports in this situation, passing an almost unanimous vote to send informative letters regarding this uh, Venetian papal clash to the French king. Afterwards, in a letter to the Republic's ambassador in England and to Henry VIII, the Doge and the Senate justified their claim over the territories of Romania and Bologna, by arguing that Venice defended them against the imperial army and as a result have devoted financial resources worth 2.5 million ducats overall in the interest of the papacy. We will talk more about this situation and much more in the next part, the second part of this episode along with Venetian and Gritti's reactions to, for example, the Ottoman victory at Mohaj in 1526, the reasons why the Venetians were not so involved then, but also 1529, the Ottoman siege of Vienna. And in general, we'll look at Andrea Gritti and uh, the remainder of his rule in the 1530s until 1538. Uh, of course, we see towards the end of his doeship re-emergence of conflict with the Ottomans. We'll explain more uh, on that in the second part of th this episode, which uh, I hope you will enjoy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast about the early stages of the doeship of Andrea Gritti and his life, his military career. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button to never miss any new material from the podcast. And until the next time, all the best. <laughs>